0: Welcome to the STL Soccer Report brought to you
1: by the Beautiful Game Network and sponsored by Roughneck's Cars. Jeremy talking uh, first day training it's not as beautiful as it was last year. <laughs> not even close.
0: Yeah, a little cold today but you know just good to get finally, you know out on the field, see the pieces uh, let guys get start getting comfortable with each other and mm-hmm see who did some work in the offseason and who's got a little bit of catching up to do. But uh, overall, a good, you know, good first day with two good sessions.
1: Yeah, doing a little fitness this morning, I heard. I uh, missed that, but I got to see some 11 on 11 this, this afternoon.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I think the, the staff has a good plan for these two days here to kind of start developing the base. And then we had, you know, have a travel day on Wednesday and then start up uh, on Thursday with, you know good planning and you know everything put together to, to make the most of the time down there so uh, we'll have another fitness uh thing coming tomorrow and then um you know another probably another bigger number session in the afternoon as well
1: uh, you mentioned earlier taking 24 guys down uh three academy kids anything one to say about that
0: no we're excited for those guys i mean they're all at different paths in their in their career you know for seth this is his 1st preseason. he trained with us at the end of last year with the goalkeeping core. um you know, he's had a really good academy uh, season in the fall. And, uh, you know, now it's a chance for him to step up from, you know, from day one of preseason and see how he does. And then, obviously, Jack has been with us. And then for Aiden, you know, he's a, he's a veteran. This is his third, right, right. His third uh, preseason. So it's it's good to kind of see
1: them grow and develop and mature and, and it'll be interesting to see how they do yeah, and it's early but I mean they're pretty much on the second string it seems like if you were to kind of list everyone down there they're, they're playing already and yeah it seems like less fullbacks so, if so.
0: <laughs> yeah it's one of the advantages of you know only 20 field players and four goalkeepers in camp is you know they're uh, you know they're in that they're in that group right, but yeah. uh, that was the plan it's all along that them. we wanted to have lower numbers and give these uh, give all these players not just those guys but all the guys real reps real opportunity because we we brought them here for a reason, so they need to they need to train and they need to play.
1: All right. Well, thanks, sir. All right, appreciate it. All right, that was I was talking to uh, Jeremy Allenbaugh. It's kind of become a tradition to talk on the first day of training every year. Uh, so far, I've been able to make it every year, and so that's been a lot of fun. Um, this year, I got to see eleven on eleven, which I did not expect at all, but it was really fun to be able to see those guys face up each uh, against each other for the first time as as an eleven on eleven, and uh, um, lots of guys Im- impressing. Uh, I think my favorite were. Sean Reynolds is an aggressive dude, and he likes it physical. It seems like even the first day of training, maybe he's trying to make a statement. I liked it. Uh, Sam Fink looks as intense as if it was the the middle of the season. So of course I'm gonna like that. Um, the other the best coolest attacker that I noticed was uh, Joey Calistri. It looks like he's he was ready for that first day and. Um, you know what I liked about him was that he was he was just ready to get in behind at any moment, and um, it reminded me of when uh, Matt Spearman was talking about playing in the off season, and and Dom Dwyer came out and played, and uh, uh, just reminded me of how he said that guy was always behind him, trying to you know trying to get in behind as often as he could, always lurking. And uh, it looks like Joey was always kind of ready to go at goal, which is really nice to see as a, as a left wing. Player, Um, you know Sebastian was a little bit more, perhaps tricky and, and good with the ball at his feet. Hopefully, passing he didn't get to quite show off uh, what we hoped from him last year. But Cali uh, is a different kind of guy, and I like it so far. So, uh, just one day of practice, maybe twenty minutes of playing. So, uh, I'm not going to say, say any more than that because what I already said is probably too much. But um, at least you guys got to hear a little bit about what I saw. Um, got to hear some names and. Um, that's that. Um, all right. Full show today. Uh, let's see what's next. Next is I'm going to talk to Tony Glavin. I went to an indoor game. I went to an ambush game on Saturday and Tony Glavin was there and he was willing to meet up and talk to me in the, in the basement or the first floor, uh, behind the stands. And that was really enjoyable. Uh, he's been around for so long and he's seen so much and done so much. Um, and the coolest thing you, here in this interview is that it was never about the money, which how could it be with when he started he never could have possibly thought that he was going to make a big profit on everything he's done. But look at what he's been able to do with such little money. And um, now with this picking up, you know, he's going to start a women's uh, team out in, in Cottleville uh, to go alongside the NPSL team on the men's side, outdoor side. And then he's part owner of the indoor team, the Ambush, Uh, But now we'll have two uh, WSPL women's teams to go along with fire and ice. We have the Lady Lions. So he's going to talk to me about all of those teams and uh, just about soccer through the ages. Uh, That was a lot of fun. And then right at the end, I'm going to talk to Ben Goshorn. He talks to me about Charlotte and he lets me know a little bit about Lewis Hilton. I apologize. It cuts out quite a bit, but you get the majority of everything. And uh, hopefully uh, you can enjoy that and get some things out of it. So uh, without any further ado, this is the rest of the Uh, rest of the episode enjoy now me talking to Tony Glavin All right, welcome back we are down on the very bottom floor at the uh, family arena Uh, I'm with Tony Glavin now Uh, sir it's an uh, an honor to talk to you you have owned and been around soccer for on this side of the river especially for years and years and years now Uh, we had a pretty entertaining game tonight Uh, how how was it for you?
2: yeah it sure was entertaining obviously um, result going the, the opposite way for us you know But overall it's good for the fans and you want to see these great games and obviously you want to win games but like I say, as long as they're entertaining for the people and they're going to keep coming back if they see great games like that
1: yeah i mean it was a good crowd it was a fun crowd like i said the boys put on a good show especially in that final quarter it was a lot of fun um tell me about owning the ambush now I used to be a coach a player obviously in the past um how has that been for the indoor game for you
2: uh well it was it was good getting back in two years or about a year and a half ago i got back into it. the previous owner andrew haynes had you know brought me in as coach to finish off his season and uh it had been a number of years since i have been involved in the the professional indoor game, and uh, you know it was it was great. It was good to be back. Enjoyed it, and uh, you know it was it was good to try and bridge the gap between the the outdoor game and the, and the indoor game for players, mm-hmm. and so it was thoroughly enjoyable. And uh, of course, when Andrew moved out of town and he bought the team in Florida, it left a gap here and. You know, I was one, of, one of the things I was afraid of is to see the team go away mm-hmm. and uh, I was able to, to help facilitate, you know, putting the, the, the group together to, uh, you know, to keep them here in St. Charles and, and local ownership. So, mm-hmm. so that, was, that, was, that was very good and uh, I think it's great from a community standpoint to have the ambush here.
1: I agree, and it's a storied history. St. Louis and the indoor game—it's, um, you know, it's something to be proud of for sure. We were talking about the glory days of when it was in the arena back in the day, and uh, um, the game has changed quite a bit. Can you tell me about the difference in, you know, the style of play, perhaps, and,
2: and um, the way that you're running the team now? Well, like everything through time, uh, things evolve. The game has definitely evolved in many different ways. Uh, If I go back to the late 70s, early 80s, when the indoor game had started, soccer was still relatively uh, in its infancy in this country. Uh, The outdoor league, which I had played in, I came here to play in uh, the old NESL. When, When that collapsed, the MISL was the only professional league around and wherever you you went you were playing in front of of course St. Louis had some of the best crowds at 19,000, you know Cleveland had 17,000 Wichita had a packed house at ten, eleven thousand. 11,000, Kansas City 15,000 and I can go on and on It, it was very big then but that was the only game in the country from a professional standpoint so it carried the game and you had a lot of quality quality players that played then and a lot of new and innovations started then the game game has evolved you know from from the standpoint they changed the rules a little bit throughout the years in the 90s uh, late 90s they went to a one point two point three point goals Mm. where it changed it a little bit they reverted back again and I think they've brought back a lot of what the the main rules were back in those early days however there's been a few changes that I think have, have actually helped to grow the game you know from the standpoint of players players are always going you know always going to have new things new innovations um and like i said players evolve you know to to the time and i think from that standpoint it's just it's still an exciting game you know from the standpoint of it's not the only thing around because we, we now have mls soccer where you know 24, 28 teams, soon to be more than that, 30 and maybe plus in the next few years uh, you have USL soccer that has about 30 teams, you have NASL that, that had uh, I think I think they're down to 8 teams but these are great viable outdoor leagues, and then take the, the men's PDL you know, the, the women's WPSL and uh, I believe uh, NWSL the, the, the new professional league so now the number of leagues that are around is just phenomenal. So, and then of course you get the MESL Major Arena Soccer League, which there's a place for it. It may not be the top league anymore, which which it was back in the '80s, but it's there's a place, and it, I think it's going to hold its place here. Well,
1: that's good. I like to hear that. Uh... You mentioned the PDL teams and the WPSL teams. Um, How long, I should know this, but how long have the Lions been around? And and tell me a little bit about your experience through the years with the
2: Lions. Well, we had uh, officially uh, committed uh, in 2005, late December 2005, where we, uh, we announced the team. And we started playing in the summer of 2006, so we're coming up for our 13th season uh, playing. So, well, for
1: years you were the only outdoor soccer league. It was the
2: highest level that St. Louis could see. Correct, and and the one thing that we we hold today is that we're the longest-serving franchise soccer franchise mm. in the St. Louis. You know, uh, coming up for our 13th year is, is tremendous. You know, it's really. quite a feat. So we've we've kind of held on. You yeah, know, yeah. And it's great. The league is uh, is still. Uh, Growing, And and it's uh, it's a great thing for young players. Indeed
1: it is. And, um, you know, there are players still coming from the Lions. I I learned today that uh, Tommy Heineman, who's run into trouble with Cincinnati, played for the Lions, who has just won a a league title in the NASL last year with the Deltas, and that's a quality player, one of the best in, in the nation on that level, actually. Um, in the second tier. So, you know, the Lions are
2: doing their thing and, and, and serving their purpose. Yeah, very much so. Tommy actually played in my first three years of the St. Louis Lions. Tommy uh, picked up probably about the sixth or seventh game into the season, year one. And his whole time with us, he played in 36 games and scored 35 goals. It's great. You know, phenomenal. And, and not only was he a, a very good player, but he's a, a, a very unique and uh, great individual mm-hmm. that uh, I, I still keep in touch with today. And, and it's no surprise to me that he's still around and, and playing, um, you know, professionally. And actually, he's one of the, the, one of the people that I would have loved to have brought here. Mm. Uh, I actually had been talking to him about coming here uh, with the Ambush you know, it just didn't work out this year, but wow. maybe maybe in the future we can uh, get them back to St. Louis and, and work with us. That would be a whole lot of fun
1: to watch, to be honest with you. Um, so tell me about this season. It's, it's going to start in a couple, a couple months.
2: Um, what are your goals for this season and moving forward? Well, um, yeah, we we actually we've got uh, we kick off with uh, tryouts February seventeenth, eighteenth, and we start with the players who are eligible to come to those tryouts, and then we'll hold some uh, exhibition games any any time between uh, beginning of April till May, and then we'll start officially training uh, the first week in May. And then we'll get. We'll also look at additional players. Now we're very fortunate because I think through the time, you know, people, uh, young young players like Tommy Heinemann. Tommy has always recommended players to us, and he's only one of many. Uh, I couldn't tell you the, the hundreds of players that we've had through the Lions over the years, but the network is uh, is pretty pretty big, and uh, I must say that, that a lot of my former players help us to recruit and they're constantly sending players and, and quality players so for, for me the goal is I, I have a few goals typically we want to we want to succeed on the field we want to do well on the field but that's not the number one thing my, my goal has always been to can I help young players move on to another level and can I leave them with something in the game uh, meaning can I, can I touch them in, in the way of a soccer, in the way of can I help them improve their game, can I help them in the way of off the field and, and just carry on through life if they don't continue in, in soccer. So there's, there's many goals that we look to accomplish. Um, but again, for, you, you know, we want to be competitive, and, and we play in a very competitive division uh, in the Heartland division. We have Des Moines Menace, who are a yeah. uh, PDL champion. We have uh, Thunder Bay. Uh, Chill, who are also a, a, a PDL champion. They're, they're good the teams. This last year, yep. Yeah, they're, they're good teams. So there's always, there's no easy games. and we play, no matter who we play, they're all tough and quality games. Mm-hmm. And so we want to be competitive. And, uh, you know, up until now, we've been fortunate enough, we've had good players, you know, to be competitive. And, you know, and, and having said that, a number of my players, you know, I just sat through the game with... Uh, a couple of the players, uh, Jake Causey, who's on the roster with the Ambush, uh, Vadim Kozjakov, uh, both of them had played for me through through the Lions, and I've helped them move on to that next level. And and there's a number of other players around that are still playing, and and you know the, these are these are the fruits of you know why why we do things in, in the PDL. It's really really
1: obvious too. You know, we just met five ten minutes ago, and. Uh, we, I followed you down to this level so we could talk somewhere but it was relatively quiet, which I very much appreciate again. Um, but on the way, you're, you're meeting and greeting and seeing all these kids that you know firsthand. And you remember my father-in-law from what? Uh, that had to be 20 years ago. And his two sons, you named them by name. My wife, you even remembered. Um, so cool to see you doing your thing. And um, I can only imagine the amount of kids you've, you've helped Um, and their lives. Um, Tell me before we move on, let's let's talk about the the youth facilities that you have. You have how many in this city and how many kids going through every
2: year? Well, I started our youth program uh, 20, it'll be 24 years ago. And before that, I was with, uh, you know, another St. Charles organization for almost three years. So I've been full time at youth level for 27 years. It's a long time. It's a lifetime, you know. (laughs) But uh, it, it's for me. It's been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it's funny because I always tell people when I played when I played professionally. And so if someone had said to me, "You're going to be a youth team coach, and that's what you're going to be doing," uh, I would have said you're crazy. There's no way. <laughs> right. And, and it's funny how your life takes turns and twists, and that we don't always we don't always. Chose everything that we do. Uh, an injury forced me into retirement from playing. I was fortunate I got into coaching, and then the professional game was very, uh, very shaky in this country in the in the 90s. And so, it, it, you know, it pointed me in the direction of the youth, and I'd started, you know, uh, coaching at youth, and and I didn't make a lot of money doing it, but I found out that I loved doing it. Mm. I had other opportunities to go into business probably would have made a lot of money but it didn't interest me you know to, to maybe uh, do something else just didn't interest so so you know here here stood the, the career that I wanted and the career path that I wanted to uh, go into and that was to focus on youth level because I felt that I had a lot to offer in the game to help young players And from there, I put together a, you know, and and, and that evolves too. I put together a 10-year plan to, you know, to create a youth program, to build a a men's and a women's program, to build a facility and to build from there. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, here 24 years later, we've come a long way. Still a long way to go.
1: <laughs> I like that. Still a long way to go. There's always room to improve in whatever we do in life. Um, I want to hear especially about your WPSL team you just announced last week. The Is it the Lady Lions, right? And um, obviously Fire and Ice had a great season last year, and you'll be competing in the same uh, tier
2: as them. So tell me about that team. Uh, we're, we're actually very excited to, uh, to announce the, the WPSL because... It was it was again one of my original goals. I always said I'm, I might not be the you know we might be the first one. It might not happen right away, but we'll eventually get there, mm-hmm. and that's that's what's happened with the with the the, the women's team. Uh, it's taken us you know twelve years down the road since the men's PDL, and and people sometimes ask questions. Well, why? Well, there's two things: the time that it takes t- to put into an adult program, a men's or a women's program, is very time-consuming. Mm-hmm. And I had I had started because the PDL was the biggest league at that time, and I felt that was the best chance we had of starting a program, which we did. And it just takes so much time. It consumes a lot of your time. Well, I know I'm very fortunate in the organization. The people that I have within the organization have committed their time because I know that I really didn't... I couldn't put 100% of that time into two teams. Mm. You can do it with one team and help with the other. But I've got great people in Jeff Lorimer, who is my assistant director. Uh, Kevin Hecht, who is, is, is a general manager. And, and I, might, I might add that Kevin is a volunteer, mm. but a great businessman and very... And, very instrumental in helping me put this together. You mentioned fire and ice uh, Lindsay Kennedy who they, they won the, the championship last year. Lindsay was also very helpful with us in, in uh, acquiring this and being supportive of us mm-hmm. you know even though we're going to be competitors sure. you know and, and I think it's a good thing because the area that we're you know we're not too far away from them but yeah. I, I think we can uh, we can help each other. And, and so it's really an exciting time. And, you know, we've had a number of our former uh, youth players that have contacted us, you know, about a potential of playing. So it's, it's very exciting that, you know, we're able to do
1: that. I agree. I agree. And uh, it'll be really exciting to have two teams in the, in the area. Uh, last thing I was going to ask you about um, was... <laughs> Looks like, you know, the U23 St. Louis FC team is folding this year, at least for a year, maybe more. Uh, But two other teams have announced, Club Atletico and uh, St. Louis Maritza. Would you be interested? Have you
2: talked to them about friendlies or anything like that coming up? Definitely. And I think um, Atletico is run by uh, Ricardo Garza. and I know Ricardo very well. So, yes, we will... uh, we'll somehow get together and have some friendlies. And that's, that's always a good thing because yeah. they'll be the same as us. They'll, they'll want friendlies before the season starts to see their players. And we'll have some young players that we'll wow. maybe want to see throughout the season. Mm-hmm. So there'll be opportunities to, you know, to do cross-rival, you know, cross-down rival yeah. games. So, I mean, these these are all positive things. And, you know, I think someone had said to me about, you know, well, isn't it, isn't it bad that we don't have MLS and things? And it... You know, my feeling is this is just another step towards MLS. You know, although St. Louis has uh, passed up now, FC Cincinnati, just an example, they've been averaging 23,000 a game. And and our FC St. Louis are not quite there. The Ambush are not quite there. But with all of these teams that we have in the area, if you start to accumulate the attendances of them all, it's, it's getting pretty close and, it, and it's getting better and I, th- I think it's another step towards you know MLS coming here to St. Louis so I think it's a positive thing.
1: Couldn't agree more um, and I'll, I'll harken back to what you said where we've come a long way in St. Louis but we still have further to go don't we? Um, Tony thank you so much for talking to me uh, it's a big honor to talk to you and uh, obviously I've, I've soaked up all your stories we'll have to talk again.
2: No problem thanks Phil appreciate it. Alright.
1: All right. Welcome, everybody. I'm not sure if this will be part of an official show or a standalone interview here, but I have been, uh, Ben Gazorn from... Um, now I'm going to blank on what. what is your podcast? Tell me all about you.
3: <laughs> it's uh, The podcast I do is called Talking Jacks. Thank you. Uh, it's very specifically about the Charlotte independence. We really don't talk about anything else. I mean, we'll talk about leading news and and matchups and things like that, but we don't, uh, we, we don't touch MLS. That's something we we were trying to, to decide on a, from the get-go.
1: Unless
3: yeah. we don't talk about EPL or really anything like that. Um, but we started that probably almost midway through last year. Mm. Um, and it went really well. Um, I did done some writing for soccer and sweet tea, Carolina focus, uh, soccer, Uh, Blog, I guess you could say, Um, yeah, I've done for writing is about the independence, specifically. But
1: right on, yeah. And I always mix up, you know, um, what is it, Jack's militia? I they came out with that shirt this week, and I've been watching all their things coming out this week. So I always confuse talking Jacks with Jack's militia. So, Um, but yeah, the sixth knuckle on Enzo. (laughs) on the t-shirt did you see the original though because it looks like he's got a sixth knuckle it really does crazy i Uh, think it might be biologically sound somehow just for him
3: i've never never looked at his left hand in detail so i can't really say
1: if it is or not Um, yeah if we next time i I watch you guys watch charlotte play i'm gonna be looking at the hand the whole time i won't be able to see it on that (laughs) youtube feed but i'm gonna want to know yeah,
3: it's a left-hand gate, I guess.
1: <laughs> but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're going to talk about Lewis Hilton, who uh, just got signed to St. Louis this uh, this afternoon, I believe, was announced. Um, we don't know when he was signed because, what, you were hearing uh, rumors a while ago you were asking me about whether he was signed.
3: It was like months ago. Might have um, been. And I heard different things, and I, <laughs> I was still holding, crossing my fingers that we were going to get him back because he's <laughs> – player for us um the first year he played for us was not last year but the year before Um uh, i mean he was essentially uh, a man off the bench um but he he would come in and he's he's got such a motor that it, it's really hard to um and he i mean he's a shorter guy he's not he's not a big body midfielder or anything like that um, but he he's been a really important piece for us, um, and he different roles for us too. Um, he's not I wouldn't think he's really a selfish player at all either, mm. which is really helpful, especially in the scheme we've uh, coached, Jeffries, where he's gonna. There's a lot of passing in the midfield. Towards the end of the season, he was um, uh, he was one of our main uh, hold up defenders or hold up midfielders really um when we didn't have june marquis davidson and he was averaging like 50 60 70 passes a game Um, Nice. it was he's the pass or two which is really nice he's more of an attacking midfielder than a defensive midfielder but he can really do everything is what's nice um he's fan, honestly
1: Nice, yeah. I mean, um, some of the quotes that our, um, Anthony Poulos was, was giving for the article on the announcement was mentioning his creativity, saying he's technically gilf, uh, gifted, um, good at set-piece delivery. Did he take any set-pieces, maybe some further ones out? I figured Enzo took yeah, most. Yeah,
3: I, I would not about that. Yeah, he, he's, um, it was back and forth between him and Herrera, but there was definitely some times where he put a ball in the perfect spot <laughs> there wasn't anybody there um but he is now that i now that I think about it yeah he is a pretty good uh set piece guy as far as setting somebody up more than um when it is a little distant he's uh he's pretty accurate i would say uh
1: yeah yeah, and, and in college he got a ton, um, ton of assists to go along with the, the goals that he got, granted. That was a pretty low level of, of college play there. but um, you know, I, I meant to look up his stats. I didn't see how many assists he got with you guys, um, but seven goals and 57 appearances. Um, he played a lot of games. sounded like at first off the bench. Um, but you know, are we looking for his ability to pass more so than his goal scoring? It looks like, Not that he can't i
3: would think so yeah i mean but really he wasn't we needed to rely on him to
1: score goals
3: mm-hmm. i mean but i mean for references sake he's scored our first goal last year if i'm not mistaken
1: oh interesting he's got,
3: yeah he's uh he's got a rocket too so that's it's one thing to watch out for him he's, he's not afraid to take the shots nice okay too so i wouldn't say and i i honestly wouldn't be surprised I've, about Louisville or St. Louis, not Louisville. It's not top about them. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know why I said that. Uh, St. Louis's scheme, but I feel like if he's in a more a, a more open role, that he'll be more of an attacking than a, a defensive minded. And he can too. That's that's one thing that's really he's he's really quick. Hmm. Um, he's really quick on the ball, and you'll you'll watch games where he. Uh, later in the season when he did have those 50 60 70 passes a game and it would still be the 80th minute or so and he's still running full speed Mm -hmm. um so he he'll give you 90 minutes consistently if he needs to but he's really also good off the bench too because he's running faster than anybody um and watch um and it's another it's a really big x factor for him it's it's to replace him um, when I heard the rumors I was really sad because we've we've kind of seen him progress too which is really nice. loose is getting a really good player in the midfield there's no doubt about that.
1: Nice. Uh, While you were talking there, I was able to figure out that he got one assist last year. So it looks like we may not be looking for assists from him, but maybe so. One thing I wanted to maybe ask you about is perhaps he was being overshadowed by Enzo Martinez, who obviously is a great talent and uh, is going to get the ball from everyone on that team. I mean, it just makes sense. You see Enzo open or halfway open, you send him the ball and see what happens. So um, Mm -hmm. do you think that's a possibility?
3: Yeah, I definitely think so and I, I feel pretty confidently if he's in a position where he needs to be relied on to put shots on target or to be more of an attacking role, that he'll embrace that. I saw, too, that he hit 46 key passes, I think I just saw,
1: last year.
3: Oh, yeah. Sure that I, my laptop will work. This idiot
1: over here closed down the window. I have no idea why.
3: <laughs> yeah, 46. So, yeah, and he's – he's like. Pool said he's really creative too so it's one player to watch too. So it, it's going to be entertaining to see how he works with uh, with St. Louis as well and I think he can embrace a more attacking role where he's going to be more predominant than on a team with Enzo obviously.
1: Yeah, and he, I mean it says midfielder. I think I asked you this earlier. He plays centrally, pretty much solely centrally.
3: He does I don't, I think he ever played out wide for us, honestly. Cool. I I wouldn't say that he can't do it, um, but I, I I wouldn't necessarily see it in his skill set per, personally. But
2: yeah, yeah, I don't
1: know. Right on. Um, well, I think that's everything I was wanting to ask you about. Um, I'm excited to get him, um, uh, and I appreciate you filling us in on on what he's like. Anything else you want to say about Charlotte or about uh, Hilton before we go? uh no i mean nothing i can think of really honestly
3: <laughs> without repeating myself like seven times over um, yeah yeah
1: sounds that, that good good well i'm looking forward to uh seeing him play i'll be thinking of you i'll be talking to you every time he does something good maybe something bad who yeah. knows but uh <laughs> we'll see how these these teams are built thanks for joining me ben i appreciate it no problem man Thanks, everyone, for listening to STL Soccer Report. This is Phil signing off, but before I do, if you guys have any questions or emails, thoughts, corrections, anything, I would love to hear it. Just email us at stlsoccerreport at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at STL Soccer Report. My personal handle with more personal thoughts and comments is Phil Grooms. That's two L's, two O's. Most importantly, I'd like to say thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. It's the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at RoughneckScarves.com.